quick note before we begin the episode. Episode 200 is fast approaching, and to mark the occasion, Hussam and I will host a special Q&A session with questions from you lovely treasurers. Click on the link in the show notes to submit your question, and we will even send a $10 gift card for our favorite five questions. It can be about careers, treasury, corporate treasury 101, or even what Hussam's favorite ice cream flavor is. Deadline to submit your question is December 15th. Have a lovely episode. Welcome to the Corporate Treasury 101 podcast. This is the second part of our full interview with Mateus Zami, where we discuss how to manage FX in Latin America. In the episode of today, expect to learn. Do countries in the region employ similar FX risk management strategies despite their economic differences? Are there any success stories or notable failures in FX risk management in Latin that serve as key learning points? Why is hedging essential in Latin America and how does it differ from other regions? How has the FX risk landscape evolved over the past decade in Latin America? And like always, much, much more. We truly hope you enjoy the episode. If that is the case, and when you're thinking about how you found our podcast, chances are that it was through word of mouth, social media, or a recommendation from your favorite podcast platform. And this is our only request to you. The best way you can support the podcast is to head to YouTube and subscribe to our YouTube channel, Corporate Treasury 101. That will mean the world to us and help more people learn about treasury. On another other note, this episode is brought to you by Automation Boutique. Automation Boutique is empowering treasury, finance, and risk management with tailored automation solution. They use robotic process automation, or PA, AI, APIs, and Power Query to create automations that can work with your existing systems. We partnered with Automation Boutique as we really like their approach to innovation and how they help the industry. For this partnership, they came up with an AI-powered automation self-scan that can help you find out if a business process is suitable for automation and how to best get started. It is totally free, non-intrusive, and only takes about 15 minutes. What's great is that the report you will get from the scan helps you determine if the benefits of the automation outweigh the costs. If you want to have a look, head to the link in the description or to automationboutique.com slash corporate treasury 101. And with all that being said, please welcome Matthäus Zani. Yeah, exactly. And so how is this, um, that's a perfect transition. How is this inflation uh, in Latin America overall, how does it affect treasury activities beyond the obvious example of the cryptides? Yeah, uh, I would say for, for companies that work in the retail sector, uh, inflation can uh, change very rapidly uh, the cost of the good and also the how they sell it to the to the retail buyers, no. So uh, this uh, environment of the high inflation, very volatile inflation, uh, adds a lot of complexity in the treasury uh, for all the, the departments of the company, né? Uh, uh, the buyers, the sellers, the, the pricing team, uh, and, and of course, né, uh, the CFO that manage all the cash flow of the company, no. So, 
high inflation is 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 a very um, um, yeah it's it's a very difficult component to to quantify in terms how we can work with these numbers and, and maximize my cash flow né, in terms of maximize my profit and reduce my 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 costs is very 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 tough uh, to deal with, with inflation né? and and. And the result of the inflation is, as, as we discussed uh, earlier, né, is the high interest rates. Né? High interest rates will lead to a higher borrowing of costs. So companies not only need to deal with the inflation the, in, the, in one point that is sell their mercancy, but also how to manage their cash flow in terms of uh, liquidity of the company, uh, how, how, how much I need to finance my liability order. To be to have a cash flow, né? a proper cash flow, né? of the liabilities and assets at the same in the same platformer. I think this this idea. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. So maybe going a little bit deeper into navigating the, the foreign exchange landscape in Latin America. How does each country there um, differs in terms of its currencies regulation and challenges? What what have you seen there? Yeah, indeed, Latin America countries exhibit very diverse currency regulations and challenges. Now, for example, uh, Brazil is as uh, one of the largest economies in the region has its own unique currency that the Brazilian is mentioned here many times already, and uh, a very complex economic environment. Uh, in contrast, Argentina has faced a recurring currency crisis in the, in the last year, very strict capital controls. Uh, Chile, on the, on the other hand, né, has more open and stable uh, for exchange market, make it distinctive from its neighbors. But yes, it, each country has your unique situation. Uh, we, we cannot in any any possible way to generalize uh, all the the, the, the 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 environment of the Latin America. It's just one sort trend or just one sort regulation or change. Each country is, has your unique situation. And I guess the FX risk management, again, coming back to the effect of that for treasures and people doing treasury operations, that is, people look at LATAM as, as just LATAM, right? It's, it's South America, that's, that's, that's or, or Latin America. Um, but if the situations are so different in terms of currency control and regulation, is the FX risk management for that also very, very unique? Or like, can I... In, in one sentence then, right? My question one sentence. If I'm a global treasury manager, right? With, uh, with a company that's working in all the different regions in the world. Um, can I realistically do, divide up the world into LATAM, USD, Euro, and Asia? Or do I need to, if I'm looking doing business in multiple areas of LATAM, do I really need to have a very specialized, tailored FX uh, risk management strategy for each country I'm operating in LATAM, or can I generalize? Or is it as different as doing business in Argentina as it is in Peru, as it is in the US versus Europe? Yeah, that's a very good question. Uh, no, I think you cannot generalize your effects risk management um, uh, approach. I think each, each country has different uh, market environments or market conditions. Uh, so we need to take this in consideration 
to put together a very solid effects, effects risk management program. Uh, why? Even though all the derivatives are the same, in superficial lines, I want to say uh, we, have, we are able to access liquidity for uh, NDF, which is a non-deliverable forward. You have forwards available, options available, uh, cross-currency swaps, swaps. Now, in general lines, you, you are able to, to put together a registered use in this instrument. But uh, how you deploy, how you build this hedge strategy, you defer country by country, okay? For example, I cannot, uh, let's say, uh, book an EDF for uh, 24 months in Peru, but I can do this in Brazil. Why? Because in Brazil, uh, the market is, is, is cheaper than in Peru, okay? So we need, we need to understand this liquidity, how far I can go with my hedging strategy. Or another example, I can place options. I can, I can buy vanilla call put or um, some other option structures in Chile, but I cannot do this in Peru. The same thing, I don't have liquidity for this, uh, this, this instrument. In Brazil, né, I may be able to go 24 months, 18 months out using options or using a, a cross-currency swap. But we need to understand how expensive it is. Né? Maybe it's, it's, it's cheaper to do a short-term hedging and roll over the position to match the effective cash flow. Né? Because we are able, né, you will be able to uh, minimize your cost doing short-term hedging harder than long-term hedges. Okay? But uh, in Colombia, I can go 24 months and it might be cheaper than in Brazil Real. So, of course, this is a uh, condition that can vary uh, every single day. But uh, these nuances that uh, the treasure team must be aware. Yeah? The instruments are the same, but the market conditions are completely different. You have each country has different volatility, each country has different treasure rates differential, each country has different liquidity to access these products. So, now uh, yeah, in the end of the day, what you are doing in country A, you'll be very, very difficult to replicate for country B or country C. So, each country has your unique market conditions and, yeah, and therefore you have a different risk management program and approach for that country. Mm. Have you ever been doing this for a decent amount of time? Like this? Do you have any good examples of like, uh, FX risk management strategies you've seen implemented in this region and um, either it would be interesting if you give examples specifically on uh, the dangers of generalizing LATAM uh, versus the successes of generalizing of specifying your FX risk management strategy in across different countries in LATAM. Do you have any examples no. you could share with us of like success? No, for, for sure. No. Uh, I can say mainly in, in Brazil where our clients are, are based in. Right now, because we have a such a high interest rate differential, uh, which is a higher hedging cost, that uh, deploying NEDFs to hedge the curve's risk can be quite expensive. Uh, for, for those firms that it needs to be long dollars and, and sell Brazil Real. No? So we performed like many uh, analysis simulations here where we were able to showcase that hedging through NEDFs will be much higher with né, uh, while hedging with option structure it would be cheaper né? because 
the way that options uh, are priced uh, takes into consideration three main components. Né? The first one, of course, is the interest rate differential. The second one, the volatility of the currency pair. And the third one is the time to decay, né? the time to the maturity of the contract. So when we analyze NADFs, the first component is the only one that price NADFs, the interest rate differential. Okay? So if you want to hedge for uh, exposure 12 months out, using NDF is much, um, is be, the cost will be higher when hedging through options because the option, because it's the three main, three components, we can try to optimize the strikes of the, the options and, and the, same, uh, the same time that we are able to uh, cap the downside risk, né? optimizing the, the strike, we are able to have some upside participation. Now, of course, it depends on the, the option strategy, but uh, uh, options offer this flexibility to manage the currency risk. And so, because uh, we are able to, uh, to have this upside participation and if the downside risk uh, kept, we are able to reduce the hedging cost. Um, so this is uh, one of the, the main points. And another advantage uh, using options because they are less sensitive uh, to mark to market. So let's say if the, if the currency um, change 10% with the NEDF, NEDF you have a you show 10% mark to market, negative mark to market. But with the options, it will not be the same thing. Okay. So for those companies and abuses that face some liquidity constraints options are a, a better alternative uh, solution okay rather than using NEDFs. so as i said you know uh, also uh, depends we need to understand uh, the risk profile of the client so we need to understand the goals uh, in this hedging program that uh, the client wants to to build uh, and at the end of the day the the hedging strategy will be completely tailor-made taking in consideration the market conditions and the risk profile of the client. And that's uh, that's an interesting one, right? And I, we understand that it's a bit hard to pinpoint uh, a failure in FX risk management in Latin America, but one of the things I can think of is typically, well, the, the idea of FX management is to mitigate the risk, right? But when you are in the case of a country in Latin America where you have particularly high inflation, it also means very high volatility in your FX rates, right? So you can be hedging, but ending up having an ultra negative mark to mark because you could have made so much more money not hedging. Uh, the other one I can think of is when it comes to credit lines hedging. Typically, corporations might be interested into hedging their liabilities in Latin America, right? As a European company or an American one. Here again, to just make sure, okay, it can we need this credit line in Chilean Seoul. And not peso, uh, we cannot circumvent it. But um, what happens in case Chilean peso goes through the roof or the other way around? And here again, it comes down to how well and how much do you want to protect yourselves against such uncertainty, right? But uh, a super interesting one, Matthews. Thanks a lot for that. You've touched upon it a lot, um, so let's let's dive into it. Can you quickly remind what FX risk is for our audience? So just disclaimer: we've we've done quite some episodes lately around FX, um, but just a quick reminder, and uh, ex try to explain it if, if possible within the Latin America context. No, it's it's always good to revisit the, some terminology. Huh? 
uh, and approach. Uh, pretty much affects uh, risk is the potential loss, but also the potential gains that a company may have and may experience due to the currency fluctuations. Uh, I, I like to say that risk doesn't mean only it's a, it's a problem. The risk is it's not only your enemy, but you can take advantage of the risk. You know, risk can make your revenue more profitable. Uh, or uh, again, you can see your your revenue lower due to the currency uh, fluctuation. Uh, so currency risk is both. It's the potential loss that you may have due to the currency fluctuation over the time, but also uh, potential gains due to the currency fluctuations over, over the time. Crystal clear. And so why is, why is foreign exchange risk management such an essential part of corporate treasury when it comes to Latin America, like obviously we've teased and talked about it already, but can you summarize why it's so essential in this particular region and how it differs from other regions? Yeah, I'll give you a very clear example. If you take uh, the Brazilian annual volatility in the last 12 months, uh, it was around 16%. Uh, if you run a, a valid risk, at a 95% confidential interval uh, in a cash flow, let's say $100 million for 12 months, this valid risk will be $26 million of losses. Okay, <laughs> so yeah, in a portfolio, a cash flow of $100 million, your potential loss will be 26% of this amount, which is huge, which is huge, okay? Uh, we don't have the same currency volatility in, in the in developed markets, uh, even though it's, it's getting higher, but uh, it's not that higher when compared to, to emerging markets such as Latin. You know? uh, so Brazil, 16%, one of the most volatile currencies in the world. Uh, Colombian peso, 15, uh, Chilean peso, 12%. So all these major Latin currencies uh, shows higher volatility, and high volatility can translate to to higher currency risks. Yeah. So this this idea. So because that is so important, uh, business uh, with exposure to to effects uh, risks to have a very solid effects risk management program. Uh, you know, the, the main goal is to to reduce this currency volatility uh, in order to reduce yeah, uh, the fluctuations in, in their cash flow. Yeah. Uh, pretty much this idea, the, the, the essence of the currency risk is to reduce the currency volatility over the time. Okay? So when we reduce the volatility of the currency in your, in your cash flow, you have more stable yeah, revenues, you have more stable liabilities because you don't have more uh, uh, higher impact of the currency uh, in, on these uh, exposures. So when I think about and understand all this complexity in Latin America, are corporations not just tempted to say, okay, well, if it, I'm just going to deal as much as possible in dollars. You mentioned, I think Ecuador started um, using the dollar as one of the main currencies, right? I believe Costa Rica is the same. Is, is it a possibility for corporations to just say, okay, guys, if, I don't know, 90% of my suppliers are anyways 
not Latin America based, but will probably accept dollars. Let's deal like this and try to convince my customers to also deal in dollar. Is it, is it a practice in Latin America or not at all? Yeah, this can be done. This can be done. We have seen many corporations uh, adopting this practice. No? Uh, what they are trying to do is to seek a natural hedging. No? So their supply chain is in dollars, uh, their buyers is, are in dollars. So we don't have any currency risk, any currency mismatch. So this that is this is a good press, but uh, not always this is possible. Not always this is possible. Um, but uh, when this is possible, of course, it's, it's, it's a good strategy you know, because we don't need it to 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 build a hedging problem you know, to address the currency risk. Uh, we don't need to build an in-house team or outsource you know, uh, this hedging to a tax risk uh, consulting company and so on. That's, uh, good advantages, but but in some cases uh, you, you don't have this opportunity to do that, né? or your customers are not uh, not be happy with this. They want to pay local currency, uh, they they need to pay in the local currency. So in order to gain uh, competitiveness, you need to work with the local currency of the country. A good example of that is SaaS companies when they they try to be more international. They want to commercialize them to, to sell their SaaS software, their, their, their SaaS product in other markets. They need to charge the client the license of the product in local currency and not in their basic currency, the reporting currency. Okay? Um, so when they, they, they charge their customers in local currency, generates the currency risk. So they need to manage this currency risk. This has some um, FX hedging changed over the years. Like, so options aren't a new technology or a new, let's say, um, <clears throat> financial tool. Technology has changed quite a lot, nonetheless, though, over the last 10 years or so. How have you seen the evolution of just hedging as a uh, technology uh, or as a strategy uh, become more complex or versatile or adapt or progress over, over the last uh, That's a good question. And so what is that? So a good example of this movement in terms towards innovation is, is the agro. Uh, we are not a, a traditional uh, effects consulting firm. We are using a lot of uh, technology in your approach regarding uh, currency risk. Now we are adopting a lot of machine learning, uh, Bayesian regression, and now uh, AI in your tools. Um, so the idea of, of the Agro is to take uh, a more holistic approach to effects risk management, in particular in emerging market currencies, due to all the, the effects that, that I mentioned here, volatility, interest rate differential, yeah, in order to provide a more tailor-made uh, solutions uh, to our clients. Yeah and always using technology. This is the idea. So because that, uh, I don't like to say that we are advisory. We are, we are, we are, we lean more to be a fintech. Okay. So this, uh, in the last three years, we have been developing uh, a couple of tools yeah, that right now is in a platform web-based where our clients can access yeah, and use our tools there. So, um, there are many things that uh, the users can do in your platform. The first one is to, to gain access to market data, trends, analysis to take a more effects decisions. 
they are able to to, uh, to use Monte Carlo simulations, which is a very uh, sophisticated statistics technique, né? to model potential outcomes of the the cancer bears. Uh, he can be he is able to incorporate inputs like volatility, skewness, amount, maturity, and the platform will bring different outcomes né, because different market uh, conditions. Because as as you have flexibility in the inputs, you can uh, change the volatility, can skills. You are able to create different market uh, conditions and analyze the performance of different hedging problems in such environments. So some most of the time we create the clients, né, uh, create three uh, market conditions. Uh, worst case scenario, neutral scenario, and best case scenario. So through the platform, he's able to see, okay, this had strategy performance in this way, in this environment, in this, in this one. So, okay, uh, I need to protect against the worst case scenario. So I want this one because my risky profile, uh, I have this profile. So this one is the best head strategy according to my risk profile. So. In this way, he can see the uh, the statistical evidence and take a more from a decision. The bigger it is to remove the emotion of the trader, remove uh, the emotion of the trader team in terms. Okay, I need to use an EDF. Oh, no, I need to use this because the market goes to seven, eight, nine. No, that that is not that. That is to remove this and apply more data-driven decisions uh, into the trader team. This is it. So, uh, using that, this innovation, using this new way, new approach to FX hedging, the clients can uh, put more solid hedging products in place, be able to uh, maximize the upside uh, uh, participation, these hedging problems, able to reduce the outside risk considerably. Uh, and in the end of the day, doing all this with a lower cost because He's optimizing all the steps to build their hedging uh, structure. So technology overall, such as edge computing, the rise of fintechs and whatnot, would you say that's the biggest change in FX risk management over the last decade? Yeah, I'd say. And, and uh, right now the AI, I think things will change completely. Uh, we are seeing more and more uh, companies and also effect specialists adopting AI uh, to run analysis, simulations, and, and the good stuff that we can, this, all the technology can expedite the hedge analysis. This is the build. Yeah? You can expedite the analysis and, 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 and be comfortable with the results. The accuracy of the numbers of the results is much higher when you have uh, a machine running, you have an algorithm running the simulations, rather than uh, some member of the, the company doing Excel, the spreadsheets, endless data to analyze, etc. So I think machine learning, AI, all the technology, né? Uh, all the developments in this area is towards how you can create better effects risk management strategies. Né? more accuracy, I think it's the, the word is accuracy, uh, how to reduce the the noise in this analysis, uh, how to make sure that uh, that strategy will work 
in that specific country, which has that specific uh, nuances in terms of volatility, interest rate differential, hedging cost, liquidity of the instruments, etc. So using this technology, we'll be able to uh, put together much more solid uh, effects risk management programs.